This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Tuesday, 31st of January 2023, coming into month end here. I don't know if that was behind the sudden shift in sentiment yesterday. Uh, certainly, it feels like the market getting respect for the sort of blizzard of uh, event risks we have incoming. We do have that end of, uh, of course, month and new month roll, but as well, the FOMC up tomorrow. Uh, all of the U.S. economic data we'll be talking about uh, grouped into um, the next few days into the Friday uh, close. And then we have, of course, plenty of earnings reports to distract as, as well. And it's been a pretty remarkable performance this month. And and before I actually get to that, and I'll let you cover that, Peter. We have an interesting month-to-date um, uh levels here we've recorded on our table there on slide two with the Saxo equity theme baskets. But I thought technically a very, very interesting day. So it was, it was a bit having a hard time at choosing which uh, equity market to show or which index to show. And I, I picked out the the QQQ ETF on the NASDAQ 100. I could have also taken the NASDAQ uh, cash index, just showing that we uh, how we sort of whipsawed from crossing above the 200-day moving average and then closing back below all in two sessions, and that also that high there on the session the day before yesterday was clear of some important resistance levels. So if you're looking at the index itself, uh, that 12,000-plus level, and then the big rejection. So very interesting setup technically as well, heading into this series of event risks. But, uh, Peter, what is your take here? Uh, I think we kind of agreed it's not really on specific news. It just feels like it's animal spirits and, and maybe some derivatives that are wagging the markets here. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you look back at the equity market over a fifty-year period or even longer, and you look at the the annualized returns of the typical average return for a year, uh, we're getting close to somewhere around eight nine percent, give or take. And then there is, of course, is a variance around that. So in in some day some years it will be far worse and and far better, of course. So if you look at the MSI world, we're at six percent in dollar terms for the months to date. And if you look at a lot of the theme baskets, uh, which I think to, to a large extent represent some of the dominant uh, themes and flows that you see, uh, especially among retail investors, but also certainly among uh, institutional investors. And you've just had such big, such big gains, a normal gains or even more than a typical year in just one month. Um, I was with clients last week, Cyprus and I, my, my missus was there. Then when you're offered uh, a total year's return in one month, uh, it's really worth taking off some of those gains, um, take some chips off the table. And I think that's what happened because as you said, no meaningful. There was a small jump in the VIX, but it's nothing nothing major. We're still at the very low low end of the range over the past year. No big moves in the US 10-year yield, no big changes in expectations for inflation, etc. I mean, it was just a very quiet day, no new macro news. So uh, so it was a typical reversal day, as you also have indicated, John. Um, so what had really been having a high momentum um, was coming down hard yesterday. So uh, e-commerce down almost 4%. I I don't want to pick, uh, uh, so, I mean, maybe the most odd uh, price moves we saw was in China, where the large cap uh, consumer technology companies was down together with the Hang Seng Index and the general risk off sentiment in China, which has continued uh, again today, by the way. But then you have China's little giants, which had a pretty good session. And um, yeah, I, I think this is this is something I, w- I would expect to continue to see going forward in, in China. And, and it's, this is also something maybe we'll begin to see in Europe and the U.S. over time that, you know, this, these these influences by government and, and steering capital and, and, and capital formation in the economy to towards technologies and sectors that they pre- uh, prefer could uh, could cause these uh, these weird patterns in the market um, over time. I, I wouldn't be surprised about that. 
Yeah, and but otherwise, and then, and you know, and just sorry, and and then we we took out two days of gains. I I think it's a pretty significant one, and we'll talk about the earnings because there's some pretty key earnings coming up today that could shape sentiment as we go into Thursday's earnings and the FMC rate decision. Yeah, part of the negative uh, uh, sentiment in Asia, at least in China specifically, was on there's talk of a broader ban on Huawei products in the U.S. I think that. Uh, sparked fresh interest and negative uh, sentiment around that. But if we go to forward to the next slide, so the FX uh, market, no surprise, with a sudden shift to risk off, we get the dollar coming in a bit stronger. It does feel like it's time for a consolidation. Look at the euro dollar chart there in slide three. It's been a, quite a persistent rally there uh, from the lows uh, last uh, September, especially the uh, the persistent uh, activity off the November lows. We got a hot C uh, Spanish CPI number uh, beating around a percent relative to expectations and actually accelerating at the headline uh, relative to the expectations for a pretty significant drop. So we saw and we have seen a, a move sticking higher in German two-year rates, 2.65%. Uh, that's relative to the 2.76% uh, high for the cycle. Pretty significant bounce there. The euro tried to, to come higher yesterday, recognizing the risks for the ECB messaging this week. But it's interesting to see that move was erased. Uh, typical to see the dollar finding a safe haven bid when we're seeing a risk off. And so that's an interesting setup coming into the next uh, bit of uh, you know market activity and these event risks where I do think if we continue to see risk off, that that over, you know, outweighs any sort of relative interest rate spread perspective on uh, the ECB versus what the Fed is doing. And then again, with the sort of negative vibes overnight uh, out of the uh, Asian markets and with the sentiment reversal in general, we have a much weaker Aussie. So still a, a positive trend reading, but uh, within that trend, now we're seeing a pretty significant correction uh, in the dollar bouncing back there. Weakest uh, elsewhere, uh, interestingly, those Scandinavian currencies with Euronaki banging uh, close to the highs for the cycle. Uh, quite interesting there. All right, let's, uh, let's go forward to the commodities market. No surprise, Ola, strong dollar. I think I know what's going to happen to some of your space, but what's your take here with, uh, with, with how the markets are treating uh, this move in sentiment? Well, I think uh, you just showed the, the euro dollar chart there, and we just talked about the uh, the inflation uh, picking up in Spain. Uh, so we saw a broad rise in U.S. yields as well yesterday. I think that's basically the whole story. So the we're seeing a correction coming into the market, and it's not only uh, gold, as I'm showing here on slide four. You can see we are we've been banging on about this uh, very very steep uptrend that eventually had to give. Uh, now there's obviously being tested once again. Look out for that 1900 level. As you can see, it's both trend line support and it's also the 21 day moving average. We have not traded below the 21 day moving average since early November when this uptrend started. So um, a break below would obviously sign signal a loss of momentum and potentially a retracement uh, down towards the 1862 level. And uh, it is really the uh, it is really the risk of a, a dollar correction as well here in the short term that's that's driving this and also i think uh, leading up to tomorrow's fmc meeting we all expect a quarter percent rate hike but at the same time i think they'll also do their utmost to to sound pretty hawkish uh, regarding uh, the prospect for for future rate cuts so um so that's the, the market needs to to balance that and um, i just put in the uh, gold on top of the dollar index on top right hand corner and as you can see gold has actually done a bit of a runaway from uh, from the, the the gains we've seen in the dollar recently so that also indicate uh, maybe some overextension in terms of positioning speculators has been very busy uh, actively buying the market uh, in recent weeks while the EFT, ETF holdings has uh, stayed more or less close to flat for near the lowest level in two years so uh, that all just signs that that we 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 potentially we should not be surprised if we see a period of consolidation starting here and it looks like it's uh, some impact into the broader commodity space. I noticed copper was a bit lower overnight. 
Uh, crude oil is also taking a break here. Is that the dollar or are there some uh, forward concerns about demand here? I think it's a combination of uh, both. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, copper. It's, it's, I think the we've been uh, we've been rallying hard in uh, the early parts of, of January based on on the assumption that we're going to see a pickup in demand from China. And obviously now China is back from the, the New Year holiday break, and now we need to see the activity on the ground actually support and sustain the price actions that we've seen uh, during the past few weeks. And that obviously could trigger some a period of, of uncertainty and um, in crude oil i think the main the main reason because I, when i look at the the fundamental data right now from the crude oil market they're not particularly negative uh, we got a pickup in demand from china it, it is already ongoing we just seen a, a big boost to uh, jet fuel demand uh, over the over the past month at the same time we've got the sanctions against russian uh, seaborne fuel exports starting uh, soon uh, into europe and that's also going to have an impact on the supply side. So, uh, so generally, the fundamentals are supported. But what we're seeing as well is a, a, a dramatic amount of speculative buying again uh, in the crude oil market. More than 127 million barrels has been bought in a two-week period up to January 24th. That's a heck of a lot of barrels that are sitting now, um, potentially some of them underwater. And that's, I think, the main reason. And the, the trigger for that was on Friday last week when we failed to break above uh, that key resistance level in the 89 area. That triggered some light selling, and then basically now it's, it's starting to be a bit, little bit more aggressive because positions are underwater. At the same time, we're also seeing a, a, some easing in some of the refinery margins as a lot of consumers in Europe have been stocking up on diesel ahead of the, ahead of the, uh, the band. So we may just see a small lull here in, in demand in the short term. So all just pointing towards lower prices from speculative long liquidation. Fundamentals hasn't really changed much, and they are still, I would say, on, on balance supportive for the market. Okay, let's go back over to the equity market because we do have earnings season really picking up uh, as uh, the rest of the week is rolling into view and especially into Thursday. But we had an overnight interesting uh, report from Samsung, Peter, where they did not report very good results, but they're doubling down on their plans for, for capital expenditures. I thought that was an interesting signal. <clears throat> yeah, I, they, they, they say they haven't confirmed yet the, uh, the capital expenditure plans, but they expect it to be somewhere around the 2022 level. I think the the short-term headwinds that the industry is facing is not really deterring the industry from making big plans for the future because everyone can see that the long-term trends in, in, you know, in the U.S. Chips Act, reshoring electric vehicles that use significantly more semiconductors, the explosion in data centers for computing applications, etc. There's so many trends that are pointing in the direction that any modern society 10, 20, 30 years from now will have significantly more uh, chips in in very many in, in many different applications and, and areas of the economy. So it's uh, I, I think they have their and Samsung has always been a company that have been having a long term focus. So uh, the but the short term pressure is pretty significant as well with NXP Semiconductors, a uh, US listed semiconductor firm. They all the both companies are seeing margin pressure. There's no big news there. Uh, Samsung provided a little bit more color, I think, than some of the others, and, and provided a little bit longer outlook on what they're seeing in uh, in their in, in demand. And they're saying that the first half of the year will see a slowdown in demand across most of their businesses. Uh, and NXP provided an outlook that was below estimates. So and and um, shares were were trading low in in both accounts. So um, not not a lot of positives coming out there. But I think what's happening is that for now, I think a lot of investors, you can also see that from the price action, I think a lot of investors are seeing through this short-term weakness in the semiconductor uh, semiconductor industry and playing uh, and playing these uh, long-term bets. And if we look at some of the other news, I think 
I've talked about this before, and it's actually a little bit. Uh, it's funny because every time I, I mention banks, and I, you know, I sort of, I certainly agree in 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 the long term, but I think that maybe there is a tactical trade here because as Steve Jacobson always point out in these internal meetings, when I mention banks as maybe potential and interesting one for this current cycle, is that uh, who's going to invest in a in a dying industry and. I sort of uh, agree with the sentiment, but uh, it's always, a, of course, a question about the timing. And if you look at Unicredit and, and Sweatbank, which have two European banks here that have come out with a very, very strong uh, upside surprise to net interest income. I don't know what the analysts, are, uh, how are they doing their calculations, but apparently they can't uh, seem to translate the current interest rate level into net interest income. You, you would think that that is a pretty easy job, but apparently not. Um, <clears throat> and, and I've said to you, John, if you take a, the biggest bank here in Denmark, Danske Bank, and you sort of say, okay, and then we're now back to interest rate levels we had you know, prior to the financial crisis, maybe a little bit uh, less than that level, but you, we're getting closer to that. And then you look at what, what, the, what, what was the return on the, on the uh, interest-bearing assets on the balance sheet back in those days, and then you look at it where it is today. And if you, we, we know that the average duration for a banking balance sheet is around seven years. So if you, if you roll that entire balance sheet, which have grown significantly, for a lot of banks in in that period over the past 14 years and you apply the new interest rate level and you roll that i mean a lot of these banks will will see a doubling of their of their top line if if, uh, if we can sustain these interest rate levels so i think there is uh, there is naturally a, a large increase in the expected returns with these banks and i think in, in the case of unicredit they uh, they're saying that they have seen strong banking position uh, banking businesses in in their in their german and austrian market and as you can see as well in the text I've put in here on slide six, the loan provisions were half of what analysts expected for uh, for the Q4. In 2023, revenue estimate seems a little bit on the conservative side from, from Unicredit and, and below estimates. So um, I, I, I probably wouldn't read too much into that uh, at this point in time. That's interesting stuff. And to see an, an Italian bank at a, an almost a five-year high is, is quite interesting to say the least. All right, uh, earnings mm-hmm. watch. We've got interesting companies reporting today. Uh, especially, I guess, the two you've highlighted, the first two you highlighted there, UPS and Caterpillar. Yeah, so UPS, <clears throat> being a, one of the world's largest logistics firms, will will tell us uh, how things are progressing on uh, cr- cross-border trading. Uh, also, maybe uh, some insights on China with the reopening. What, how is that impacting logistic flows around the world, supply chains? Interesting report. Caterpillar, we talked about it the other day, a split uh, between mining and, 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 and construction equipment. Mining, obviously, doing very well construction potentially still doing well because of the backlog of orders we have, we we have in the industry but as you know new orders are really drying up fast in the construction industry so maybe on the forward looking guidance there might be a, a, a negative surprise on on that part of the business but the mining business should do should do extremely well and then i'm hoping for Caterpillar to to provide a little bit of insights on on China on the reopening and what they're seeing on the ground in terms of the activity and then I've highlighted Snap and I, I've done that because it has been a market moving event in the past two quarters. They are the first one to give insight into the online advertising uh, industry and while UPS and Caterpillar are linked to the physical world of of actual goods and stuff being moved around the world, I think Snap is a is a is a good is a good. Um, snapshot haha, of the uh, of the services industry and the and the in the you know the confidence that companies in the services sector uh, have about the uh, the near term future i would highlight as well but we won't talk about them but i would highlight exxon mobil uh, mcdonald's as well and and marathon petroleum as as insights into the energy sector but also consumer discretionary in the case of mcdonald's so, you know people still spending a lot of money on on going out or are they holding back on their cash and 
I could go on and on because as you can see, the list here on slide seven is is uh, is quite large. But I think uh, uh, maybe I'll, I'll just quickly highlight uh, Novo Nordisk because uh, and Novartis, those two are uh, top 10 market cap uh, weighted stocks here in the European equity markets. They both report before the market opens tomorrow morning. And the market in both cases as well are quite positive on, on both stocks. And, and we have seen quite a dramatic inflow of in investor funds into European equities for, for a lot of different reasons. I will be writing a bigger piece on that, but there are valuation considerations as the whole physical versus uh, the digital world consideration. And then, and, and then European equity markets just in general ha uh, have a, an exposure to sectors, including the healthcare sector, which is higher than in the US, which provides European with maybe some better characteristics in a economic slowdown. All right. Interesting stuff. And we'll wrap those uh, since they're before the market opens. We'll hopefully have a chance to look at those in uh, tomorrow's market call. Where we'll also be continuing to preview the FOMC, which is, of course, the event risk of the week, as you can see the, on the macro overview on slide uh, eight. But before then, we have a few uh, bits and pieces today. The last of the regional manufacturing uh, PMIs, the Chicago PMI today, ahead of the ISM manufacturing tomorrow. But it's the ISM services, especially as I've noted uh, before, after the crazy drop we saw in December, do we get that confirmed or do we have some mean reversion after what seemed a bizarrely large drop in that survey? And, and just for perspective on this consumer confidence uh, reading today, really confusing if we're heading into a uh, some sort of recession to not see some of the more coincident indicators at least starting to show some weakness, that is employment and consumer confidence often historically correlating very closely with employment. If we look back to the last real sort of normal recession cycle, uh, quote unquote, uh, back in 2007, consumer confidence was pretty clearly sort of declining in, a, in, in almost linear fashion uh, late in 2007. This time around, it's gone back and forth. And in fact, that December print was surprisingly strong, 108.3. That was the highest since April and a huge bounce off of the November 101.4. So I'll be confused today if we have uh, supposedly uh, you know, strong confidence and it comes in at this 109 as expected if we're supposed to be heading into some sort of uh, landing scenario or so, whether it's soft or hard, if we don't start to see consumer confidence coming off a bit more uh, determinedly, which would suggest that the employment market remains resilient. And that'll be interesting as a setup into the employment report at the end of the week on Friday, et cetera. So interesting one today. And it's going to be very interesting with the FMC tomorrow, the market beginning to respect the Fed a little bit more. We have moved some 37 basis points higher in terms of Fed expectations for around mid-2024 relative to where they were at their lows, uh, let's call it mid-month uh, this month. So there is some respect building in the market for the Fed wanting to keep its higher for longer message. Uh, let's see if they continue to surprise on the hawkish side and if the market respects that further after tomorrow's meeting. For now, uh, interesting change in sentiment. Let's see where it stands tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.